Mayo Clinic Radio presents a conversation about molecular breast imaging with Dr. Deborah Rhodes, a specialist in preventive medicine at Mayo Clinic, and cancer survivor Kula Shives. The show hosts are Dr. Tom Shives and Tracy McRae. This podcast was recorded on May 2nd, 2016. Welcome back to Mayo Clinic Radio. I'm Dr. Tom Shives. And I'm Tracy McRae. Molecular breast imaging, or MBI, is a test that uses a radioactive tracer and a special camera to find breast cancer. Now, rather than a mammogram, which simply takes pictures of breast tissue, molecular breast imaging is a type of what we call functional imaging. Now, that means that the pictures it creates show differences in the activity of the tissue. Tissue that contains cells that are rapidly growing and dividing, like cancer cells, appear brighter. They light up, and that's compared to less active normal tissue. A great test. MBI is particularly good at finding cancers in dense breast tissue, which sometimes blocks more conventional mammography. About half of all women have dense breast tissue. Here to talk about MBI and its uses is Mayo Clinic Preventative Medicine Specialist, Dr. Deborah Rhodes. Dr. Rhodes treats patients in the Breast Diagnostic Clinic at Mayo. Welcome to the program, Dr. Rhodes. Great to have you back. Thank you, Tom and Tracy. Hey, Deb, good to have you here. So tell us about this new, te- relatively new test called MBI. I know that you've been studying it for years and all your work has come to fruition and now the test is available at least some places. Why is it important? You described molecular breast imaging beautifully by emphasizing that it's a functional technique. And this is really the critical advance in breast imaging that is missing from our traditional ways of trying to find breast cancer. If you think about mammography and even this new technique of three-dimensional mammography and also ultrasound, they all seek to find visible differences in the appearance of the tumor relative to the background. And as Tracy mentioned, that can be readily obscured when women have very dense breast tissue because dense tissue and tumors are both white on a mammogram, and they can look exactly the same. And that accounts for why, when you actually use a functional imaging tool to image women with dense breasts, you see that mammography is missing about seven out of 10 tumors in women who have dense breasts. Half of the women have dense breasts, so that's a lot of tumors that are being missed. It's a lot of tumors that are being missed, and one you, you looked shocked when I mentioned that, Tom, but that's not uh, uncommon that people don't know that. And the reason is because historically, the way we've always measured the sensitivity of mammography is to see how many tumors we can find on the mammogram and then wait a year before the next mammogram and see how many other tumors show up that weren't detected on the mammogram. And that's the traditional measure we use of how good mammography is. The problem is tumors can remain dormant in the breast undetected for years, even in women who've faithfully undergone their annual mammogram if they have very dense tissue. And we've seen this many times in our own research. We have a case of a woman who had been undergoing mammography every year, and when she had our technique performed, she indeed had an 11 by 13 centimeter cancer. And such a cancer does not come up over a year. Such a cancer probably takes more like five to 10 years to evolve. 
And so the implication there is that that tumor was not detectable on mammography because she had extremely dense breast tissue. So it's very important to emphasize that mammography has a strong and continued role in detecting breast cancer. It's the only tool we have that's been associated with a mortality reduction in the range of 20 to 30 percent for women women who undergo regular screening. And that's nothing to sneeze at. That's an enormous, important impact for women when you consider that breast cancer is the most common cancer in women. That's nothing, uh, I mean, that's a success. But I think the point we've been trying to emphasize is that we could do so much more we could probably be twice as successful in saving women from breast cancer if we complemented mammography with a tool that's particularly configured to detect breast cancer in the population of women who are currently not well served by mammography alone. Well, why wouldn't women with dense breasts just skip the mammogram and go right to the MBI? That's a great question, and that's something that we're hoping to test in a study that will alternate mammography with MBI in women with dense breasts. We certainly don't want to abandon mammography altogether because mammography can indeed find very small tumors. But I think the corollary is that mammography can also miss very large tumors. And that's the group of women where we want to complement this technology with something that will overcome the limitations of mammography in that group. Is there any radiation involved with an MBI? So radiation is a factor in molecular breast imaging. And when we initially developed this technique, we felt that the radiation dose was too high to justify doing this on serial screens. So we spent four years working on modifications, and I want to uh, cite Dr. Michael O'Connor and Dr. Carrie Rushka, who were instrumental in making these modifications to the system to permit radiation dose reduction to a level that is considered safe. Now, the level of radiation from a molecular breast image is higher than that from a mammogram, but still considered very safe and well below background levels of radiation to which we're routinely exposed. And so although that's been a criticism of molecular breast imaging, in my opinion, I would rather have a test with a little bit more radiation that has a much higher chance of detecting a breast cancer if I had dense breasts than have a test with a lower amount of radiation. So I think those factors are important to consider. Did I hear you say that uh, mammography Uh, misses 7 out of 10 cancers in women with dense breasts? In my opinion, from the research that we've done at Mayo Clinic and also research done by another breast researcher, Wendy Berg, looking at functional imaging, so either molecular breast imaging or another technique called MRI, if you add those techniques to traditional anatomic techniques like mammography and ultrasound, you will pick up an additional number of cancers that reveals that mammography was initially picking up about three to four out of every 10. All right, so this test I'm sure is available at the Mayo Clinic, but is it widely available and how much does it cost? The uh, technique is becoming more widely available. It's available in about 100 centers now. Um, One of the centers that's been a particular pioneer in Ohio, uh, Dr. Rob Shermis there, has been offering molecular breast imaging to patients with dense breast tissue 
after they come in and have a negative mammogram. And he's actually found data identical to our own Mayo Clinic data that molecular breast imaging finds 363% more cancers than mammography alone in women with dense breasts. And compare that to tomosynthesis, this new 3D mammography that's now been widely adopted across the country, finds an additional 30 to 40% cancers. So 363% versus 30 to 40%. That's a big difference. We need to probably take a quick step back and just explain what are dense breasts. What does that mean? If half of the women have them, what does that mean exactly? Great question. Dense breast tissue is not a disease. It's a normal anatomic pattern in the breast that refers to a higher proportion of fibroglandular tissue in the breast relative to fat. So young women, old women, big breasts, small breasts, does it make any difference? It does make a difference in regard to age because breast density is strongly associated with age. Most young women have dense breast tissue. And breast density is the reason why the rate of missed cancers in women in their 40s is 15 times higher than the rate of missed cancers in older women. Not all young women have dense breasts, and not all older women have fatty breasts. There's definitely a diverse range, but in general, breast density declines with age. That being said, there are certainly women in their 70s and 80s that continue to retain dense breast tissue and ought to be offered some additional type of screening, in my opinion. All right, so you indicated that there are about 100 centers around the country that have this uh, test available. Obviously a good test for, for women with dense breasts, in your opinion, cost. The cost is a very difficult thing to pin down in mm-hmm. all of medicine, I, I would say. I wondered why you didn't answer that. Um, okay. So I will, I will simply say that at Mayo Clinic, the charge for a molecular breast imaging test is actually less than the charge for a standard digital mammogram. Thanks, Dr. Rhodes, for explaining the use of MBI, molecular breast imaging, to detect breast cancer in women with dense breasts. Dr. Deborah Rhodes is a specialist in preventive medicine and treats patients in the breast diagnostic clinic at Mayo Clinic. Thank you so much. We just heard about how important molecular breast imaging, or MBI, can be in finding breast cancer, especially in dense breast tissue. Our next guest has a very personal experience with MBI. Last December, as part of a routine checkup, Kula Shives requested an MBI because she has dense breasts. All the cool kids do. (laughs) The imaging indicated suspicious tissue, and after more imaging and a biopsy, it was confirmed that Kula Shives had breast cancer. Kula is here in the studio to share her story. And, by the way, Dr. Shives, if that last name sounds familiar, it's because she's your wife. (laughs) Indeed she is, and I'm a lucky guy. You are a very lucky guy, yes, and welcome to the program, Kula, and you're lucky as well. Yes, I am lucky. Thank you, Tracy. Well, I am flanked by Shives today. This is a wonderful opportunity, and um, I'm really happy that you want to tell your story because you're right in the middle of fighting breast cancer. Correct. Today I just finished phase one of my treatment, chemotherapy number 12. And that was just a little while ago. She came over here from chemotherapy. You know, Kula, my dear, I, I know you were hoping you wouldn't see me until after work today, but well, I am really glad that you're here. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Thank you for inviting so me. So chemotherapy this morning, uh, number 12. But uh, go back and, and tell us this story because I obviously know it, but our listeners don't about how you came to have an MBI. 
Um, it's an interesting story. I was in the first study that Dr. Rhodes did in approximately 2007. I've known I'd, I have known that I had dense breasts since 2007. Um, after that initial study was over, I was off the protocol. Um, and in about 2011, maybe 2000, uh, 2011, a radiologist here at Mayo said to me, Kula, I think you should probably go back into the MBI study. There's a new study on. So as you would have it, the process took a while to go through, and by the time I uh, had contact with someone from the study, they told me that the study was over, but that MBI would be available to the public in the near future. So mm-hmm. I've known for a long time that MBI was pr- something that I needed. I've had um, regular mammograms for years. In 2012, I needed a biopsy of a spot. The biopsy was negative. So this year, my nurse practitioner in gynecology, I went for a routine exam on December 1st, and we've had this MBI discussion for years. Mm -hmm. And she said, I think you're right. I think this is the year. I hadn't really been feeling very well, and I'd had some pain in my left breast and in my chest, but, you know, nothing really added up. What kind of pain? What did it feel like? Oh, hard to describe. Um, sometimes knife stabbing pain and tightness in my chest. Okay, I was tired a lot. Um, I'm married to a doctor. Uh, he said, well, "You'll be well, fine." I was yeah. going to say, <laughs> and that's no, you kind of undersell that. You're married to Doctor Shives, which is that's a whole other level. <laughs> so nothing really added up. I mean, I was exercising. I was living my life, pretty normal type A personality. Um, but what I didn't tell Tom until the end was that I, w- I had been very tired lately. I um, am a stay at home mom, and I was taking naps in the afternoon when no one knew. So I had a feeling there was something wrong. I had no idea it was breast cancer, but that led to the MBI. All right. And so most women, when they go in, they would get a mammogram. But you got the MBI because you knew you had dense breasts and that it's been part of the discussion ongoing. But since then, so many you have discovered there are so many women that don't even know what an MBI is. Correct. And the other reason I had the MBI first and not a normal mammogram is that the guidelines had recently just changed for women with uh, very dense breasts. And I have what's called a four out of four. So my breasts are as dense as they could be. Uh, The guidelines had just changed. If you had a routine mammogram 12 months or so earlier, you would then qualify for just an MBI, and then they would do further studies if anything showed on the MBI. That's why we went straight for MBI, and I had the MBI, and um, it confirmed that there was a mass in my breast. It was really obvious on there, wasn't it? Really obvious, yeah. Yeah. And so then how did they confirm that it, in fact, was a cancerous tumor? Uh, so the routine was I had the MBI on a Tuesday. On Wednesday, they called me and said, you know, your, your um, MBI is suspect and we want you to come in for further views. What further views meant was I went through, I can't even begin to tell you how many regular mammograms I had. And then I went through tomosynthesis also and they found the lump that they needed to then they took me directly to ultrasound to ultrasound the area, confirmed that there was a lump there, and also there was something suspect in my um, axillary lymph node. So that afternoon, I returned for a biopsy of the lump and of the uh, lymph node. Three hours later, we knew that my lymph node was positive, but we didn't know for sure that the breast was positive. That was a Friday. On Monday, we received the results that my breast lump was also positive. And on Tuesday, we received the results with a full confirmed diagnosis of breast cancer. And what's it, what was it like to tell your family? Oh, terrible. 
um, first of all, Tom knew on Friday uh, because we knew that if the lymph node was positive, I mean, sure. the lump was going to be positive. So we knew on Friday. Our kids, however, are both in college and they were both in the throes of finals. So we stayed quiet for an entire week. And when they both arrived home the following Thursday night, we were able to give them the news, but at least their finals were over with, and we all were able to be together for a couple of weeks before everybody returned to college. So, so you're a cancer survivor now. Cancer survivor. Yep. And it is it's responding to treatment, so all is good. And what's the plan? You're going through chemotherapy, and then what's going to happen? Uh, so chemotherapy phase one completed today, as we talked about. Phase two begins next Wednesday. I'll have four more rounds of chemotherapy once every two weeks. Then I'll have about four weeks or so off, and then I'll have a bilateral mastectomy. Mm -hmm. After the bilateral mastectomy, will allow my body to heal for four to six weeks, and then I'll go to radiation therapy, hopefully candidate for proton beam therapy. Mm -hmm. um, about the same time, I'll go back on one simple dose of um, chemotherapy called Herceptin that targets the type of breast cancer that I have. And um, after that, then I'll heal again and I'll have a final reconstructive surgery about six months after that. So you are right smack dab in the middle of fighting your way through this, but you uh, wanted to you want to start talking before you're even done with the whole process. You wanted to start talking about MBI and why uh, women should know more about it. And just so happens that we have we had Dr. Rhodes on to talk about MBI. So why should women know about molecular breast imaging? Well, 50% of women in the United States have desk breasts and it desk breasts. Breast. Breast, yeah. <laughs> Chemo brain. Thank you. <laughs> Chemo brain. Yeah, there you go. That. Thank you. Um, and if you have a three or a four density out of four, you are a candidate for MBI. And in fact, you should have an MBI for a lot of reasons. Um, the problem is, is that MBI is a little bit stuck in the politics situation. It needs a bit more research. But MBI is a less invasive, comfortable mammogram. It's very inexpensive compared to MRI. And if you've ever had a breast MRI, there's not much dignity involved in a breast MRI. So you'd much rather sit for an MBI than an MRI. <laughs> I amen to that. So um, how, what is your plan when you're sitting there uh, receiving your chemotherapy or you're having one of your recovery naps? I would imagine that you are planning what you are going to do to get the word out about MBI. And step one of that was go on Mayo Clinic Radio. Correct. <laughs> what step two? Then almost I, everybody will know now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not really sure I knew that Mayo Clinic Radio was going to be step one at the time. I'm not quite sure. Um, I'm actually working with a couple of other people. The manufacturer of one of the um, MBI machines, Gamma Medica, has contacted me about sharing my story and maybe working with them a little bit to try to get the story out. Um, Dr. Rhodes and I have had some discussions about how could I help get the word out, and I'm not really sure exactly what the future holds, but that's my plan. Obviously, you are convinced that this is a test that a lot of women or probably most women with dense breasts ought to have because it picked up your cancer not as early maybe as it could have but had you had an MBI maybe a year ago we might have picked it up even before it had spread locally. We might have. Yep. Absolutely. Thanks so much for being here. I know it's uh, every day is a tough day for you now but you're a champ. Thank you. Well, Kula, we wish you all the best as you continue with your treatment, and we actually expect to hear from you again very soon. Thank, Thank you, Tracy. <laughs> That's our program for this week. For the latest in health and medical news, go to newsnetwork.mayoclinic.org.